Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, kicks off our new series, Show Some Love, with a message titled, Love in Conflict. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Can we welcome our campuses? Let's say hi to South Shore and Plant City. What's up, you guys? Woo! Woo, woo, woo! Amen. The Lord is good. We're starting a brand new series today called Show some love. It's that time of year. And today we're talking about love and conflict, love and conflict. We all uh, are going to face a little conflict. Have you ever talked to a young couple, maybe they've been married uh, just a few months, whatever, and they say, it is amazing. We hardly ever argue. (laughs) Right? And then they go on and say, we hear people fight, you know, fight all the time. And then we don't think we're ever going to fight. And so if you're one of those young couples, uh, the laughter that you hear is a possibility that at some point you may fight. (laughs) Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Wherever there's gathering, especially in in marriage, we're going to come up with some things that are conflict. We need a little resolution. We need some love in the conflict. There's all kinds of things that we get into conflict about. Uh, Here's a couple of them, just kind of tongue in cheek. I don't want to watch what you are watching um, because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Right? Can I get an amen? I thought Nacho Libre was a perfectly good choice. I mean, nacho, perfectly good choice. Uh, here, here's the next one. Uh, where do you want to eat? If that's ever asked, it is loaded. I don't know. Doesn't matter. That is not true. <laughs> Names of place? No, I don't want that. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And this one, this one is classic. I love this one. All right. This one's awesome. Come on. How many of you are unders? Where are the unders? Where are the unders? Come on, raise your hand real big. Where are the overs? Where are the overs? Look, everybody knows it's over. Everybody knows it's over. Oh, if you're an under, sorry. You know what I mean? Got to go to class. Got to go to class. Didn't know how deficient we were until we got married. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't know that I had to have a degree to load the dishwasher, right? It really, I, I load, it's unloaded. I also, uh, I also have mastered folding towels. Come on, somebody. I, I do. You got to go long ways. Long ways goes to this way, and then you fold it over, and then the two sides have to come like this, and then you roll it over once. Don't make a mistake. And then you got to roll it over again. The other day, we're going to the ball game, and I had folded towels, and I said to my wife, look, babe. She went back there. She goes, that's awesome, and then arranged the towels a little bit. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. So there's, there's going to be these opportunities. Some are fun, some not so fun, right? And we're going to be in conflict and not the least of which is marriage or other relationships, family, marriage, uh, home, business, whatever it might look like, working. You know, there is a ton of lawyers in the U.S., 1.3 million attorneys, not to knock attorneys. Uh, no, uh, good attorneys are really, really good when you need them. Can I get an Amen. Amen. So sometimes we got to attorney up, but listen, is there a different way for Christians to work through conflict? Is there a way for us to love through conflict? And, and I think, so our nation needs us to be able to talk about things we disagree with, but to do it in a loving and graceful way, right? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. We're praying that you would release us to think differently and to act differently especially God. Give us love and conflict in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. amen and amen. Wherever you gather, wherever you gather, there's going to be the opportunity for disgrace, disgrace or conflict, okay? So in the name of grace, 
We Christians, we struggle a lot to get this right because in the name of grace, we sacrifice often truth. And more than ever, we need to come to bear with truth. We just need truth and love. Come on, somebody. We need truth seasoned with love. And, you know, well, then we kind of vacillate. We think about hurting someone's feelings, but in the workplace or at home, we really need the kind of relationships where we can ask somebody or talk with somebody about the things that we're disagreeing about or wherever there might be conflict and bring the truth in love to help one another grow. And then I think there's kind of another thing that we deal with as Christians and we don't know very well how to support people we genuinely disagree with, genuinely. And so it's kind of a lost art in our country is that we can really disagree. Like I totally disagree in what you're talking about, but I love you as a person. Come on, come on church. So that we can have respect and we could hear somebody out. We could actually be, have an open mind to try to hear what they're saying, but then at the end to disagree if we need to disagree. So how do we resolve conflict in a healthy way? Number one, let's resolve it quickly. Let's resolve it quickly. So how do we know if we're in conflict in the first place? A couple of definitions. If you see somebody and you want to avoid them, you're in conflict with them. So if you're in the grocery store and you see somebody on aisle two, even though you're saved, sanctified, and washed by the blood of Jesus, and you dip over to aisle eight, <laughs> you're in conflict. You're in conflict. If you think about somebody and you have an averse feeling about them, you're in conflict. If you avoid thinking about somebody because you think you're going to have averse feelings, you're in conflict. And if you daydream about taking them out some graphic way, you're in conflict. <laughs> you're, you're, you're definitely, you're in conflict. We're having some conflict. The Lord makes it clear, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, that if we're having conflict, whatever it is, we, the signal goes up and we're to leave our gift at the altar. So as we're singing and we're praising and we're loving the Lord, coming to church or singing in your car, God says, listen, if you have an issue with somebody, leave your gift at the altar, leave it in your car, leave it at your house, say, Jesus, I'm gonna stop right here and I'm gonna leave it there, even if it's just temporarily, and then I'm gonna go make restitution or reconciliation with the person, Matthew 5, 23 through 25. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you or you against him, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you will be thrown in prison. That means a debt that is owed will be paid in full is what God said. So I used to think that reconciliation meant that you know, reconciling your checking account to the bank is important because the bank is the authority, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, the bank is the authority. And so getting it right, I, but I used to think when I went to reconcile with somebody, I had the wrong framework. I thought you need to reconcile to my version where what God is saying, he wants to update that a little bit. And he's saying, you need to reconcile to their version and they need to reconcile to your version so that both of you see each other's perspective. Come on, church. You need to see each other's perspective. So the reconciliation isn't just one way. Reconciliation is understanding another person's perspective and then being okay with the perspective, being able to walk away with a little bit of grace. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. If anyone says, I love God, you know, I, I love God. God is awesome, but please strike my brother with a bolt of lightning. <laughs> That's what the verse says. 
It, it, it says, if you say you love God, watch this, and yet you hate your brother, he's a liar. Scripture goes straight out. For the person who does not love his brother, he has seen, cannot love the God that he has not seen. Pretty cool parallel. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother. So there are all kinds of studies now that are coming out talking about mental health effects of holding a grudge. And holding a grudge can become a full-time job, can it? It can actually become a profession depending on what family you're in. It really, really can. And so in my history, my family, there was just grudge holding and some family members didn't talk to each other for decades. Just for decades. You, just, you start fighting and then one thing leads to another, to another, to another. There's misunderstanding. So there's a, there's a dropout in communication. And then there's the harboring of bitterness that goes for a long, long time, sometimes a lifetime. But what the studies say is it says that when you harbor a grudge, bitterness and envy and judgment, and you're in conflict like this, that you can actually harm yourself and start carrying around negative resentment. It's, it's kind of like Linus, right? The little cloud starts to follow you around. And when you think about unforgiveness, it's like we're taking, you know, food coloring and we're mixing it in a glass and, you know, the first kind of colors are pretty cool, blue, red, green, you know, we're kind of getting, but then you add more color and it starts to turn a little bit pale and then it turns kind of a chalky color and then it's black. And we're thinking of that person and we're musing about the person, you know what I'm talking about, the kind of Christian, and the whole time we're thinking about this person that owes us restitution, they owe us a debt. And so we're mixing this sort of cocktail and we're really saying, man, I just wish they would feel some pain. You know what I mean? Because we're feeling some pain. And then we take the concoction and we drink it down. And then we expect for them to hurt. I want, here's what I want you to know. They don't hurt at all. We start to hurt ourselves with unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. And so it happens emotionally psychologically and even physically. The studies say that you start to have cardiovascular health issues when you're carrying around a grudge and bitterness, digestion issues, reproduction issues. This gets really serious. Sleep issues, we all know about that one. And then the immune system as well. And so if we think of um, sort of this glass, it's an empty glass and we're trying, we're angry because nobody here gets angry, right? Just look to the person to your right or left and say, not me. Uh-huh. Just got real in here. We're dealing with anger and we're trying, anger is the emotion of trying to get something to stop. If they would just stop, right? If they or it would just stop. And so we're trying to get rid of the air in the glass. And so if we're trying to get rid of the air in the glass, you know, you could do this, but there's air in the glass. You could suck air out of the glass, but there's air gonna come right back into the vacuum. What we need to do is we need to change our focus. And so instead of trying to get rid of something, watch this, we need to be filled with someone. And so as you go to your prayer closet, and you engage in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he will fill you, right? He's holy water in the living of the Holy Spirit. He'll fill you on the inside and he will push out all of those negative emotions. And we just, come on church, come on church, come on church. Yeah, we can clap for that, let's do it, listen. Instead of trying to get our hands around this nebulous thing, we're crying out to God, God help me, God help me, God help me. Go into your prayer closet, I've got a little prayer shawl and when it gets, when it gets tough, 
I put that show on and I turn worship on and I worship until I feel better. Come on. And then you continue worshiping. Don't, don't go away yet. Keep worshiping until you can speak better. So say their name and then, and then start asking God to forgive you the way for his forgiveness to come to you, to flow out from you to them the way he's forgiven you. You start to speak life into the person that you're having conflict with from the worship that's filling you up from the inside out. So the negative emotions start to abate. You're filled with some kind of grace that comes from God. So you begin to speak well, you feel well, speak well. And then the last one, the more challenging ones when God speaks to you and he says, now it's time to do well. And so doing well means that you bless the person that you have had trouble with. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Amen. This is where the, and you guys are like, amen. <laughs> amen. Number two, number two, let's do it quickly. Okay. Let's resolve it quickly. Number two, let's go directly to the person. Let's go directly to the person. Instead of talking about a person, let's talk to a person. Let's talk to a person. Instead of talking about a person, let's talk to a person. Matthew 18, 15, huge, huge in Christianity. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as to you a Gentile or a tax collector. Okay, so here, here's what this means. How many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? Okay, awesome. How often do you say, would you please let go of her neck? <laughs> That's what this means. Hey, can you, hey, hey, when it says tell it to the church, the first process is to go into the person. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So when you have conflict, go, everybody say quickly. Go as quickly as possibly able. Go as quickly as you can and say to them, hey, listen, don't say, hey, you said such and such and I think you're a jerk. That's a bad intro, <laughs> bad intro. Go to them and say, what you said or this interaction made me feel like this and then let them, let them respond. If they don't respond, wait a little while, stuff keeps continuing going on, bring some people with you and ask the people that are with you, have you ever felt like this? Yes, have you ever felt like this? Yes, why? Not to gang up on a person, but it's because you want them to maybe realize that their action with you isn't exclusive. In other words, maybe they have some things to reflect on and they can change. If that doesn't work, you go to the church, especially if you're in a life group. We do life here at the Crossing and Life Groups. And then you bring a pastor in and the pastor says, hey, you guys, remember your brothers and sisters. Can you please let go of her neck? Can you, can, hey, hey, and, and we say this all the time to our own kids. Here's what we say to our kids. You love each other. You're always going to be in relationship. You're going to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas together forever. So get over it. So let's get over it. And, and, and so, so remember that that's how we live with our brothers and sisters that we're supposed to live with each other forever. You cannot like somebody, but you're commanded to love them. Let me say that one again. You cannot like somebody, their idiosyncrasies, even how they act, but we're commanded to love one another. We're commanded to love. So unless you're seeking counsel on how to resolve a conflict with a specific person, telling other people about the conflict is actually gossip, okay? Jesus is calling somebody at the Tampa campus. Go ahead. It's a hot call. Go ahead and pick it up. Say, Jesus, we're here talking to the Holy Spirit, so I'll call you back. 
right. Amen. I hope you feel at home at the crossing. Amen. I hope your kids feel at home. I hope you feel at home. That's no digs. That's no digs on everybody. Everybody's got a phone. All right. All right. How do you know when you're gossiping? How, how do you recognize if you're talking about a situation as someone who has no power to resolve it, you're gossiping. If you're talking to somebody that has no power to resolve it, you're gossiping. So what that means in the workplace is if you're talking to other people about said person without going to talk to the person and eventually bringing somebody with you and then eventually talking to your boss, that's the wrong plan. Why? Because gossip multiplies negatively against you. Gossip, gossip will catch you every time. If you become the gossip in the office, you're the one who's not promoted. Gossip will catch you. In the workplace, it'll catch you at home. If you don't have a plan and you're not working that plan out with the person that you need to resolve it with, it's called gossip, all right? It's listed with all kinds of other egregious things. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on a heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, right? Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has complaint against another. If anyone has complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. Put on love, the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts and be thankful. Come on, everybody say, be thankful. Amen. Amen. That's the focus. All right? That's the focus. You know, we used to only have one option to work things out, and that was face-to-face. That was face-to-face. And then we started, you know, kind of, how many of you remember breaking up with somebody by writing a note? All right, we just exposed our age, right? We pass a note. And then you could do it on the telephone, right? And if you were cool, you had a 30-foot cord on your phone. Some of you don't even know what I'm referencing. Right? And then email, that's the next easiest way if you're gonna blow somebody up is on email. Email should only be used to affirm just to affirm, just to confirm, confirm the appointment or to affirm another person because you can't tell tone over email. You never can. So email should be used specifically in a specific way. And then there was texting. So now you can break up somebody by texting or whatever. And, you know, face-to-face is good, but Facebook to Facebook is bad. (laughs) Isn't it? And, And so this is really, I mean, this is affecting our kids in an adverse way. One out of three students, young people, right, high school or lower, say that they've had a major blowout with one of their friends, one out of three, a major blow up because of issues that happen on Facebook or the internet or Twitter, some sort of media platform. So here's one man, how he explains it. And, and so this is in his language, all right? It's, it's, things blow up a lot more on social media because a lot of things people say, they wouldn't say like to your face. Things they kind of hide behind their screen or on their phone. So it blows up a lot more on social media. And then, so once it blows up, people like start feeding on it. Or they start feeding into someone else and things. You know what I mean, right? Quote. Let me just, as, as we're going through this, let me just, let me just say to you if, you, if you can possibly, if you can just possibly avoid it, don't put negative stuff on the internet. Don't, don't, don't use your social media to say something to somebody that you wouldn't say face to face. And, and because when mature people see you going off on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, the thought is, man, I, I, that person must be hurting. 
Yeah, it must really be hurting. And there's some maturity gaps that are going on right there because it's just a shame that we have to do that to each other like that. So everybody, anybody can be a hero on Facebook, right? But we need to be heroes face to face. We need to say to somebody else, I, I, you know what I mean? I have part of the blame in this and let's see if we can reconcile this thing and figure it out. We need bridges instead of walls, don't we church? Come on, we need bridges instead of walls. We really do. Two brothers lived in a farm adjacent to each other and they spent decades working together and pulling their interest and sharing equipment, combining their resources. And unfortunately, they had a small misunderstanding that continued to escalate. It turned into a giant issue, kind of a giant conflict. In the midst of the conflict, one of the brothers bulldozed a nearby river levee where the levee was built up over the river and diverted part of the river to make a creek in between the two pieces of property. So he's saying, this is my side, that's your side. You stay over there, I'm staying over here. And so the other brother tried to one-up his brother and, and hired a contractor to build a permanent fence on the other side of the creek, on the brother's side of the creek because he claimed that it was his side of the property. So the builder came and started the project, was going to put this giant fence up. And to his surprise, he came out about a week later and the contractor had built a huge bridge over the creek. And his brother was walking over the bridge with a smile on his face, hoping for reconciliation to come from brother to brother. Come on church in the name of Jesus. So, so listen, 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 that's a good story. It's a good story. But when we think about reconciliation, how many fences have we put up? How many creeks have we put up? How many diversions have we had with people that we love, maybe care about, maybe it's been 10 years or longer. And would you be happy if Jesus, who is the bridge builder, comes and builds a bridge and you see their face and they're coming with a thought of reconciliation, the thought of saying, can we just, can we at least, can we at least agree to disagree and not be ugly with each other? Can we have that with us? Can we walk through that thing together? So resolve it quickly, go directly to the person, and lastly, forgive. Come on, everybody say forgive. forgive. Everybody say forgive. forgive. Come on, say it with a smile, forgive. forgive. You guys say forgive. forgive. You guys are like, forgive. forgive. Because he forgave us. He forgave us. He forgave us. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, at our worst place, Christ is in his best position to forgive. He gives us grace. So starting a conversation with somebody that you're in conflict with might be a little complicated. Here are a few tips. First thing. Tell them you want things to get better. Now you gotta pray about this. You gotta, you gotta pray. And I, and I wanna say this, as I, as I go through these tips, and I'm gonna move through them quickly. We're not gonna stay a long time here. As I talk about the tips, so you engaging with somebody that you're in conflict with, I need you to know this. Their response isn't the goal. Come on, somebody. Because what we often want is we want to say the right thing, do the right thing, so we could pray we could ask God for scripture and then we could go and we say, I'm gonna say a great thing and then the great thing's gonna happen and they're gonna say, they forgive me and then they're gonna say, they were wrong at about five points and I'll say I was wrong at one point, <laughs> right? And then we're gonna be all better. Here's what I want you to know. The goal isn't to get them to do the right thing. The goal is for you to do the right thing. 
The goal isn't to get them to do or say a certain thing. And if you can release that expectation, you will have a whole lot more success. Your success will be based on whether or not you can carry grace in and out of the relationship and remain your best self. Years ago, I had an estranged relationship with my dad, my blood father. He was gone many, many years. I harbored bitterness and all this, and I wrote him a letter. And in the letter, I was like, blah, 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 blah. And then I sent him the letter and I was thinking, I said the right thing. He's gonna say the right thing back to me. And the bitter disappointment was it just made him more angry. So we had more separation. And so years after, I was preaching in the pulpit one day, I was like, blah, blah, and forgive and whatever. And the Lord was like, hey, Greg. Forgive your dad. He'll forgive your dad. But it's, it's not just dad. There's so many other relationships, right? So many relationships. And conflict is something we're gonna, we're gonna be in conflict. Why? Because we're humans. We're, we're people. And so I went through the process and I started forgiving him. It took me a while. And then I started communicating with him and really forgiving him. And, and after a, probably a year of communicating, I thought, you know what? That's probably, that's probably the, maybe the last attempt. I don't know. I'm just, but, but my heart was clean. Do you understand what I'm saying? My heart was like, if he doesn't respond, it's okay with me. And the moment I felt like that, he responded. <laughs> and, you know, my dad is saved. Hallelujah. He's saved. And I can resolve our conflict by saying he did the best he could with what he had. Now you hear what I'm not saying, right? Come on, you guys, you hear what I'm not saying, right? You don't have to make a bunch of stuff up that's not true. He did the best he could with what he had and I can leave it like that. And then, and our relationship is still difficult. It's still, it's still challenging today, but it's awesome because my dad is saved and I can feel good about him. I can speak good about him and I can do good to him. I can do, doing good to him is important because if you can't get that last step, you're kind of not, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Doing good, actually physically, emotionally, spiritually doing good. Okay, let's run through the list. What the person you're confronting needs is hope. Everybody say hope. Keep the goal in mind. People are bigger than problems, right? Always bigger than problems, especially, this especially works at work. Try not to accuse, use I statements. In other words, don't say, hey, you did such and such. Say, this thing made me feel like this. I know that sounds corny. I know it sounds super corny, but it really makes a difference. Try to restate what you're hearing and be inquisitive the whole time. So what you're saying is, so what I hear you saying is, and repeat it. And so, because every human being wants to be understood. So if you can help somebody understand that you understand, you're building a bridge. If you're on opposite sides, you're never gonna get to the same, any kind of resolution whatsoever. Be aware of your body language because when you go into conflicting situations, you can be tense, you can forget not to breathe. So you're saying, I love you, <laughs> all right? And so, so if, you know, and then you go, tell your face, you know what I mean? Tell your face you love somebody. You have to, so here's what I mean. You have to talk to yourself and spend a little time in prayer so that when you go, you can be in peace to communicate peace. Because 90% of, of communication isn't, is nonverbal. So if you're gonna bring peace, you need to be in peace to bring it, amen? Channel your emotions towards the common good. Take a time out if you need to. And let's remember this, that suffering well 
If you go and you try and it doesn't work, come on somebody, it doesn't work. It doesn't mean you failed, it means you're working. It means that God's working in you so you can leave with the full assurance that being your best self is the win and that God is growing you. Come on church, come on, come on. God's growing you. Don't look for the result on the other side, look for the result on the inside. None of us are perfect. We've hurt other people in the journey. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I remember when I was at odds with my dad, I read that scripture verse. I read the verse and I said, "Mm -mm, that one's not for me, Jesus. You ever read the Bible like that? You read the Bible and go, that's great for everybody else. Not for me. Not today. And the Lord, so here's what I want you to know. If you read the scripture and the scripture stands out to you like that, it's the verse you need. It's your medicine. It's the very medicine that we need at the moment we need it because God is saying to us, I've made you, Greg, Bill, Ann, Cindy, Mike, I've made you ministers of reconciliation for my grace. Why? Because I loved you so greatly that you couldn't, you could not not receive all the grace that I've given you and then not give it to somebody else. I've given you so much grace. You can give some to somebody else, can't you? Come on, church. I've made you a messenger, a person of reconciliation. Why? Because you have been reconciled. I reconciled you to me. Because at one time, all of us are categorized as sinners and alien, foreign from God. Then Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and died. He bled and he died and he says, even though you're sinners, he said, while you're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Come on up here. I forgive you. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Amen. After 25, uh, after her 25 year old daughter, Dana was murdered in 2007. Barbara Mangy felt many things, fear, anger, almost suffocating sadness, but forgiveness she did not feel. Even though Barbara suspected almost from the beginning that her big-hearted daughter would have forgiven a college friend who stabbed her, Barbara could not. Even as Barbara, a devout Christian, came to believe that God himself wanted her to forgive Dana's killer, she resisted. And all of us say, yeah, she resisted. And she had a conversation with God and she would say to God, God, don't you make any exceptions. I, I see the scripture. You're talking to me, but why are you talking to me like this? Don't you make exceptions? Do you see what happened? Do you see that my daughter's life was taken? So in 2014, Barbara began writing letters to the man in prison. And in 2016, she wrote, early on, I sadly thought of you as just Dana's murderer. But when I heard your words to us that day at the plea agreement hearing, and then with each additional choice I made to let myself be open to the words in your letters, I came to believe that you are much more than your crime. Once I had a much deeper and more personal understanding of your life's journey, I was able to see that you were a multifaceted, complicated, spiritual, and even caring young man who made a terrible mistake. That's deep. That's deep, you guys. We actually, we actually witnessed this or something like this. We lived in Hollywood Christian before we went to seminary and uh, there was a young man who was a brilliant young man, top of the class, aeronautical space engineer, was a manager at a, 
a pizza place, I believe it was Pizza Hut, and two boys from Miramar High School broke into the Pizza Hut after the money was being counted and they murdered him. It took his life, just brutally took his life. And Tamara and I were at the memorial service and the mother and father got up and in their grieving, they said publicly, they said, we're committing to go once a week to go to the jail, the prison there in Miramar, it's in kind of over in Hollywood, Florida, to the two boys that murdered our son. We're gonna to witness to them because we believe that they're redeemable. So, and both boys received Jesus about a year later. So when you, it's one thing to read a story. It's another thing to actually see a person. See, when somebody has, listen church, when somebody has, there's just a storm going on in their life and they have peace that passes, surpasses understanding. We marvel and we say, that must be Jesus. And then when somebody forgives in a way that is so supernatural that you'd say, you know, they, they really, really, really must believe and walk in the scripture and they must be seeing Jesus because on a human level, you can't, you can't do it. Forgiveness is incredibly powerful. And so we wanna resolve it quickly. We wanna love and conflict, let's resolve. Let's go to the person and then let's forgive. Everybody say forgive. forgive. It's massive. It's huge. So I want to end with this. What needs to be resolved and with whom does it need to be resolved with? What, what needs to be resolved? What thing, what person, what item can we work on? We're just going to, we're, we're going to pray here for a minute. I, I, matter of fact, before we go into the place where we just offer our lives to Jesus, we'll do that in just a moment, okay? Across campus, if we do that, I would just like for a second, I would just feel like we can pause for just a moment, maybe bow our heads, close our eyes. Just for, I won't let this linger for very long. And I, just, I want you to ask the Lord, just, just ask him if there's a person, there's a thing. If there's just some grace that's needed to take care of some difficult circumstance or situation. If we need action, if we need action to to move quickly. We need action to go right to the person and risk it again. Or just the grace to forgive, just even to start right here, wherever you're at, you're in your living room, you're across the world, you're at one of the campuses. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. I mean, the way to talk to God is just like you would talk to another person, just have conversation with him. You and I have to talk out loud. We believe that God hears our prayers. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now, every, every voice, heads bowed and eyes closed across campuses. Every voice now, with every voice, would you say this, Lord Jesus, today's the day I surrender. I give you my life. <laughs> I know that I have a bunch of things that aren't counted as right. Say, so I know I have sin, but I turn it over. Come on, tell them I turn it over and I give you my life. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed that message from lead pastor Greg Dumas. 
Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. We hope to worship with you this weekend. For all times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.